Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. Today we're talking to two brothers who use plant medicines to overcome mental illness and drug addiction. The drugs involved were heroin and crack. And joining us from Vermont in the United States to tell their story are Rory and Ryan Van Tynan. Guys, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, thank you. Let's start with Rory. Rory, let's start with you. When did yeah. you start using heroin? I uh, got into opiates um, a little bit in high school, but it wasn't until after high school. Uh, my One of my really close friends had committed suicide, and he uh, he was you you know into opiates a little bit too, but it didn't scare me from from getting into it. I guess uh, that was real traumatic. And I also felt when I got out of high school, I wasn't prepared for uh, to go to college or pick a career path in any way whatsoever. Um, And so I had a group of friends um, that had most, almost all of them had gone off to college. And, you know, the couple people that had stuck around were into drugs. And I didn't I just kind of fell into it, and uh, I think there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened after high school that I never really um, never really came to terms with. Did you feel you were kind of left out when all of your friends went to college? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, it, it was uh, you know it was my fault. I guess I didn't really. Uh, decide what to do or prepare myself for after high school. But yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. You know, when you finish high school, you're what, 18 years old and uh, nobody prepares you for life. Certainly school doesn't prepare you for life. When did you switch from heroin uh, to start using crack or not switch, but you used both, didn't you? I did. I used more than just those two. I used a whole, whole lot of different drugs um, in the past, but I was, have pretty heavily addicted to heroin and about you know a year or two in so i i started using heroin when i was 18 back in 2010 and probably within two years of smoking crack and you know i was shooting cocaine too it was it's it got pretty bad and it's been 10 years since then so the addiction got progressively worse over the 10 years i mean exponentially worse so was it basically just whatever you could get your hands on um, for the most part, I preferred, um, anything that would, you know, kind of distract me from my feelings or what was going on in the moment. So downers generally, um, I know cocaine isn't considered a downer, but it has a, it has a euphoric effect that, uh, would take me out of the moment. Usually I would, I would have to do some heroin after that though, honestly, to, uh, to, to, to kind of as like a come down, you know? Right. Rory, what was a typical day like for you when you were addicted to these drugs? Well, not not a whole lot of uh, anything that was productive. You know, I would 
spend my day connecting with people or searching it out, um, driving up to, you know, the city, the, the biggest town in, in Vermont, which is only 30 minutes from here. And I would make excuses that I was, you know, I was, you know, I'd be living with my parents at the time. So if they, I'd have to make an excuse to, you know, get out of the house just to do anything. Cause they, they knew that I was addicted, but I would go to, I'd go to any length to convince them that I was doing something that I wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. How many times a day were you using? Uh, at least, at least, you know, three or four times throughout the day. Mm. Ryan, tell me your story. What's behind your, were you involved in drugs as well? Um, not in the same way that Rory was, but they definitely had an effect on me. I feel like I was led into mental illness, depression, and social anxiety because I was kind of dealing with the same things that Rory was, trying to distract myself and numb myself from these feelings, these uncomfortable feelings I had, which was anxiety and self-doubt, a lot of self-esteem problems. And like my, you know, drugs of choice were mainly like video games and internet, things to distract me. But I did use alcohol pretty destructively and um, I got into some other plant medicines, this one called Kratom, because, and I convinced myself that it was, you know, fine because it was uh, plant medicine, but I was still using it in a destructive way. And, um, and it just led me deeper into mental illness and depression. But uh, then I started researching other things, you know, other plant medicines and ways to use them that were not destructive and didn't disconnect me from my feelings, but helped me connect more with my feelings. And that's when things started to change for me. And I, uh, and I tried to show Rory that too. Yeah. He, yeah, he introduced me to uh, some things and, and uh, just, just to tell you a little bit about um, where I'm at now, back in November, I, I had an ayahuasca experience and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a psychedelic plant medicine mm-hmm. that contains DMT. And uh, I was able to get some perspective on what I had been become, what I had become with the drug addiction. And I mean, it was it was really just a, about a perspective shift, but it was one of the most miraculous things because I was able to uh, see myself from like a, a f- at least like three or four people removed and see who I'd become, which is not anything I was, I'd be able to do prior to that. And I was using every single day heroin and crack for about six months. And then I had the ayahuasca experience and I didn't use for four months. And, uh, but then, you know, I, I was on methadone at the time and I was trying to get off of methadone. So I went from 120 milligrams down to one milligram. And when I went to one milligram, I relapsed, you know, because I was on such a low dose and I just, I didn't want to deal with the withdrawals and the anxiety that came with it. And so I had relapsed a little bit. And then we, Ryan came to me and was like, we should start this, this cannabis ritual, which is, we just, we meet. It's a weekly ritual where we, we meet and we smoke cannabis and we try and get really vulnerable, reduce our barriers and get in touch with our feelings and express them in like a safe environment, allow our fears and anxieties to come up so we can handle them and, you know, prepare better for the week ahead in our sober life. And we started that eight weeks ago. Rory was still in active addiction. Um, the second week, 
brought up some hard to deal with stuff and he actually overdosed and he almost died but he came out of that and said I want to go to rehab and that was the first time ever in our lives where rehab the option of rehab came from him and not from someone else telling him to do it and since then you know now Rory's been he got off methadone yeah I'm, I've been off methadone for about 43 days or so and uh, to some that may not sound like a whole lot of time but uh, you know back in November before I had that ayahuasca experience there was no 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 belief in my mind or my body that I'd ever get off methadone I, I had hoped but I never really truly thought I would be able to and since coming off methadone I've been able to uh, just sit in the moment a, a bit more and, the, and I owe it a lot to this cannabis ritual that um, Ryan and I and, and a, one more close a dear friend of ours, um, you know, we meet every Sunday, and um, it's just... It's been transformative for all of us, you know, not just Rory, but Rory is really an incredible example of how uh, a testament to to the ritual, you know. So, Rory, you've only been off for eight weeks. Yeah, well, about eight weeks. But, uh, yeah, a couple of months. Yeah, so the the ritual, I mean, we've only been doing it for about eight weeks, but uh, the the transformation that I've uh, felt and I've seen with even it doesn't it doesn't even just affect Ryan, myself and our friend. It, it affects everyone in our lives. You know, I can see I have a relationship with my parents that I haven't had since well before uh, my drug, my drug addiction years. The interesting thing about uh, addictions, I find, and I don't know whether this has any basis in science, but whether you have a drug addiction, an alcohol addiction, a shopping addiction, or whatever, you do those things to suppress anxiety within you. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It's uh, the way Ryan and I talk, have talked about it. It's, it's really... Like connecting versus disconnecting. Yeah, connecting with these emotions and feelings and anxieties and trying to find value in them or just ignoring them. And I think it's important for me, at least, I had used cannabis before in the past. I was smoking every day, but I was using it with the intention of disconnecting and mm-hmm. it didn't help. So when I, when I you know, thought of this to try this ritual, I was like, you know, this kind of is kind of crazy to me because I've only used it in the past to disconnect. Now I got to try and do do this to to connect more, and um, it was hard thing at first. But now I feel like I under I can get in touch with my emotions so much better because of that. So what's involved in this ritual? So you you smoke some cannabis and then what? Share what's going on with you, or do you just? Yeah. Sit yeah. in silence and get introspective. Introspective. It's a little bit of both. Um, yeah. So we start by just meeting, and we go out into the woods in the same spot, same time. We think consistency is important, and we just you know, talk about our past week. But then when we start the ritual, we pass around a joint. Then we sit in silence for 10, 15 minutes, and the whole time we're sitting in silence, we're trying to feel the moment and feel the fears and anxieties that come up and just, you know, sit with them and accept them. And then after the 
you know, 10, 15 minutes, then we start to talk about how we've been, how we, what we are feeling and expressing and connecting on that. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it was scary at first, the first two weeks, three weeks even were, were very scary. I was, for me personally, when I would smoke the cannabis, I was hit with a, a whole lot of fear and a whole lot of anxiety immediately because I'm in a setting where I know I'm supposed to be confronting things that I naturally don't want to confront because, you know, the way I grew up, you know, in society or whatever was trying to, was uh, portraying like not having to feel or not having, you know, we're supposed to be men, we're supposed to be, you know, strong and and not vulnerable. Mm. Uh, So so anyway, so like um, immediately I'm hit with, you know, a bunch of fear and, but over the over the weeks, um, I've realized that that there's so much beauty in being able to be vulnerable around people that really have unconditional love for me. Um, that that was the, one of the most transformative uh, things about you know uh, being able to get off the methadone in the first place. I mean, I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the cannabis is an incredible tool to help us do this. But at the core of it, it's it's really about being okay with being vulnerable and being okay with feeling these things and expressing them and we realize when we express these fears with each other you know we can all relate to them we're not alone in these things right we can rely on each other you know that's so valuable yeah yeah everyone's connected in in some form or way and uh, um, this has just showed us that together we can together we're stronger than you know separate would you guys say you know i'm getting a sense that although you call it anxiety I'm almost getting a sense that there's there's a form of uh, PTSD with you guys as well. Would that be fair to say or not? Uh, I would I would definitely say that there's PTSD in my life when I, you know from when I was real young, mm-hmm. in different forms. Um, yeah, and I think that is kind of what maybe sparks anxiety and fear. Um, but I think the PTSD has had a profound effect on my life and. You know, looking back, even though I I had I had some pretty ill behaviors in the past, it, it makes sense why I would, to me at least, why I would do the things that I did, and um, and so just talking about it and um, expressing, you know, what that's like is so beneficial. And and feeling accepted, like a lot of times we feel, at least we would say, Rory told me when he first smoked. He felt like no one could relate to him. Like the things that were going through our minds were so foreign that no one would be able to like understand and accept it. Yeah, kind of like uh, I thought. You know, I I don't know how many people feel this, but I definitely have this uh, belief that I'm weird or I'm strange or I'm unlike other people, and and there's something wrong with me. And in this setting, when we feel accepted by each other, it allows us to be like, okay, you know, we're not so different, and it's such a valuable thing to feel that. I would bet that if you extended this group or expanded this group, that you'd probably be hearing the same thing from a lot of people. Really? I think so, yeah. Would you guys say that this has brought you closer together? Absolutely. Like, before this, I talking to Rory, it was like it was like I couldn't relate to him at all. I, I didn't want to talk to him. I was afraid to even talk to him because I felt like he's not going to want to connect. He's not going to give me everything. He's always holding something back. And... I haven't felt, you know, as close to Rory as I do now since we were kids. You know, when we were kids, we were like the only people we really knew, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, we were, we, 
yeah, we, when we were young, we, we grew up in the, just around our family members. We have an older sister and older brother and, you know, two loving parents. But, yeah, Ryan and I were just so connected when we were younger. And I and hearing him say that right now makes kind of makes me want to tear up. But I don't know if I'll, I'm at that point where I'm able to be that vulnerable right now. But uh, that's something I'm working on with this group that we're doing this ritual. But hearing Ryan say that is, I mean, I, that, it, it, I'm almost speechless for it, like hearing that. I mean, it is pretty amazing. Rory, Rory's really changed my life in this the past couple of months. You know, his addiction, it wasn't just his problem. It was all of our problems, and it was affecting all of us. And I think our family always pointed at him to say, like, he's the problem. And he kind of took that responsibility on, like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be the burden of problems. But then, you know, once we changed and said, you know, we're all contributing to this problem by not – by not being true to ourselves and really accepting Rory for anywhere or for any place that he's at, you know, not accepting him contingent on him being better or recovering from addiction, accepting him fully in his addiction. And once you're accepted for where you are, I think you can begin to change. Do you know, one of you mentioned uh, vulnerability and in your sessions in the forest with this other individual. And Rory talked about uh, the first few times, first two or three weeks, were really, really tough. When he talks about his vulnerability, Ryan, do you talk him through that? Um, yeah, of course. I. It's not like I'm trying to like get him through it, but I'm just showing him that I can relate to it. The fear and paranoia he feels, I think in the first couple of weeks, he felt it more than me, but I felt it, you know, absolutely too. And uh, it helped me knowing that he was feeling the similar thing. It helped me feel like I wasn't alone as well and helped me be able to deal with these fears in a productive way besides just ignoring them, you know? Do you know, I think uh, based on my experience and... Um I would suggest that vulnerability is very, very powerful. If you can talk about vulnerability with someone you love, like I suspect that Rory and Ryan, you, you two love each other as two brothers. Absolutely. If you, if you can do that, then you have an enormous amount of strength, particularly as opposed to someone who is holding everything within and trying to medicate that issue. And that's that's such a great point because um, I feel like that's a, that's kind of what we're trying to cultivate here. Uh, I mean, that's like the key premise in it, really, is that vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And in expressing vulnerability, we we can all better get better from it. You know, Rory's vulnerability can benefit me, you know, and mine can benefit him. And and our 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 other friend Tom, he's super um, compassionate and understanding, and he's just. He, it's it's a miracle that we're able to have him in this group with us. But you know, like you like you were saying, uh, we, we, if we spread this group out a bit, it it may be it may try to it may bring positivity to other people. And I mean, that's that's all I want. That's all I want in this world is to spread positivity and show people that there's a way. Uh, and I, I know people know there's a way. I'm just saying, like, use me as an example. That would be great because looking back on my life, you know, if I can think about it as like a story i mean it, it makes perfect sense why i got into drugs and why you know 
after everything that happened but looking back and going forward it's like if i can be any any sort of light or any type of example for anyone that's what i would love to do you know are we, your, sorry are, go ahead Corey. are your parents um aware that you're doing this and if so have you um considered at all at some point inviting them to partake with you yeah actually we um it's a good question we we've we've told them both about it our mom our mom's a little more hesitant on it i don't think she she's never smoked her life i don't think she really wants to she's well she works in the mental health field and i think she sees a lot of um she only to me it seems like she only sees the negative side of cannabis which is really unfortunate um, but she's starting to see the positive side with yeah, us she, absolutely she notices now that there's potential in it and our dad does too we actually are he wants to, to join us and we want to have him um it's just in the past we we added one other person and it completely changed the dynamic. Dynamics, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it made it so it was a lot harder to get vulnerable. So we went back to the three person and we stayed with that for a while. But our dad is the next person we want to invite in. I think you just got to be um, uh, in, very intentional about when and, and why. But I, he he's he has a lot of the same core values as us and trying to spread positive. You know, just he's a, he's a great, great, per, great human. I love him. Um, but it seems like he's kind of holding back and he, he, he can't completely be vulnerable. But, you know, that's that's fine. We're not I'm not yeah. saying he has to be. It's just, it's just you know, well, that's whatever the point we, of this. Yeah. He can learn to be more vulnerable. Yeah. Whatever we can we can show him. I mean, we're just trying to be examples in a way. You know, I get the sense that it would probably be incredibly healing for all of you if he was able to uh, mm-hmm. join you and get and get get a little vulnerable. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think um, like me and Rory have talked in depth about some of the traumatic experience of the past, and when we talk to my dad in just a regular everyday setting, he he doesn't allow himself to feel everything, you know, and we don't allow ourselves to feel everything either. But in that setting, we allow in a lot more. You know, yeah, as men, we're brought up to not show our emotions, not to be vulnerable, be strong. And, uh, it, you know, that doesn't serve us well at times. Uh, I agree. Yeah, 100% agree with that. It, it doesn't. It's, it's, almost, it's almost the opposite of human to not feel all the emotions because, I mean, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I mean, they, they tell us like, you can feel happiness. That's accepted. But everything else, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you guys choose a certain strain of cannabis to use, or do you uh, switch every time, or do you we, mix together a bunch of different ones? Or we, we try to be uh, pretty consistent with what we do. Yeah, so we don't. Friend, our yeah. friend Tom, he he actually is an herbalist, and he has a lot of knowledge about marijuana and, and other herbs. And he gets this strain. And actually, the second week we, first week we had this one strain. Second week we switched strains, and it increased paranoia and fear well, a the, lot more. Yeah. So we decided, you know, switching strains at least at the start wasn't a good idea. Better to stick, stay consistent with it. So we mm-hmm. use one right now. The first one was an indica, and the second uh, week was a sativa. Or wait, yeah, I think that's right. Sativa is like a little bit stronger, uh, or a little bit more mind mind. Yeah, and that setting is more in the mind. But Tom is the other is the other guy in our group, and he has you know great knowledge on uh, different plants. Obviously, he's an herbalist and, and cannabis, and so we uh, we trust him because you know he's one of us. But 
Yeah, but we use a an indica heavy strain right now, and we we stick with that. We might switch it in the future at different times, but right now we're just trying to keep consistent. Consistent. You know, there's a strain out there that um, is very good with uh, anxiety and PTSD, and it's quite readily available in the states, much more so than in Canada. It's called Golden Goat. Really, I'm gonna write yes. that down. That's, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, well, who did? Who, who were we talking to, Corey? That got some golden goat and said it was. Uh, great. That was somebody we interviewed, and I'm forgetting her name right now. But she's the one that was had, the girl that was kidnapped. Oh, Leslie Aaron's. Yeah, and um, we mentioned golden goat to her, and she managed to track down some, and it's made an incredible difference. She said. So. Wow. Yeah, I would. I mean, like. I grew up in high school smoking a lot of weed. Over the past 10 years when I was in addiction, I didn't smoke it a lot because as soon as I did, I was faced with all these fears that I was trying to escape with the heroin, you know, with the, with the hard drugs. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I would love to explore a little bit more about the different strains. I just haven't been connected with uh, cannabis when I, was a, when I was a drug addict. You know, something to, just, just to mention to you is, so with this golden goat you don't even necessarily have to smoke it. Like say you were feeling a moment of intense anxiety. If you just smell it, it'll chill you right out. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. They're, well, actually, I... they're actually using the strain golden goat and things like um, detergent. Um, and so for with soldiers with PTSD, et cetera, they smell it like in it. The, on their, you know, pillowcase, et cetera, and on their clothing, and it's just very, very subtle. And I know Dr. Uh, Dr. Bob Melamed um, has a son who has got a few issues, and he just gets him to have a couple of whiffs, and he's good to go. Wow. Yeah, I wonder if it's available up here in Vermont. I mean... Oh, I think so. Absolutely, I think so, yes. Yeah, cannabis is considered legal up here now, so that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's quite a quite readily available in the states that particular strain. Rory, over the over the last uh, eight weeks that you've been clean, do you ever think about or have a desire to try heroin and crack again? I mean, no, I, I I've thought about the drugs um, here and there, but I've never had an urge to want to get up or even even really act on it really um because i i feel like i have so much more to lose now because i have this 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 setting and this these people i mean my family i feel more connected with everyone that i talk to my friends they're reaching out to me more and i feel like um i have something i have more to lose now than i did um back then and i just also you know when i was on the ayahuasca Back in November, um, I know I had a relapse since then, but when I was on the ayahuasca, if I can go back to the moment um, where I saw, I remember thinking of heroin and seeing it as such a foreign substance and not just in a, I'm just saying that, like I literally felt like it was such a poison, such a foreign substance. I don't know how I could ever put it in my body. You know, I, I can take glimpses of that moment and, and think about it in everyday life because, I mean, heroin is so, so so like such a processed like drug it's it's just not natural whatsoever and it's just anyway no i don't i don't have any uh cravings like i used to 
Ryan, what about your mental health issues? Uh, are they significantly better or just slightly better or are you on the right track? They're significantly better. Like, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine back when I was like 21 to 23, I dropped out of college because I had such bad social anxiety. I just didn't want to go to class because I didn't want people to see me. I was just so afraid. And since then, I've actually, I went back to school. I got my degree and I feel far more confident in my, in who I am. And I'm happy to be who I am. I actually like love myself now, whereas in the past, I just hated who I was, you know, and I'm, I'm in a place where I'm more grateful to be who I am and for this life than I ever have been. And this ritual is, uh, is a big part of that. You know, when you said you love yourself, there's an interesting uh, experiment you can do. If you look your, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you, um, a lot of emotions come up. And yeah. I tried that a few years ago, and actually I couldn't do it because of the issues in my life. Um, my Growing up, my mother was schizophrenic, and um, it was difficult to live with her. And so I left home when I was about 18 and didn't see my parents for about two years. And um, so I've got issues surrounding my mother, who has since passed. And I, uh, I tried that a few years ago, and it was very, very difficult for me to do. I can imagine, yeah. I mean, you just look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you, I love you, and you, all this negative energy comes up about, you know, well, you were an asshole a few years ago, why did you do that? And, but after a while, once you, once, Ryan, once you say, I love myself, that becomes very powerful, and you just work on that a little bit every day, and you will see significant improvement. I think you're on the right track. Okay, I'm going to do that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it sounds a little daunting, but I bet. But just just from like a, a, just from hearing that, it sounds kind of scary. But I I I, I want to try that too. You know, Rory, it is it is scary at first, but once you do it, uh, all this negativity and this weight, this burden that's on your shoulders, just starts to melt away. It doesn't happen overnight, but after a couple of weeks, you'll see a significant improvement. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try doing that as well. Thank I think you. you what you guys are onto is something really, really valuable. And uh, I think you know if you expand your group and you guys do it with your dad, maybe just the three of you, uh, the two of you and your dad. And right. I think he will bring things up in his past that bother him. And he will un- better understand his two sons and uh, yeah. why they have these particular issues. And I think uh, it's extremely important what you two fellows are doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I, I Just to touch on if my dad were to join and he were to share some things about his past, it could probably help me a lot, too, to understand him better because he's kind of a closed book on, on some things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's amazing what you guys are doing and the self-growth that you've already had and the potential for what can happen from here is huge, absolutely huge. I wish I could see you guys in person and give you a hug because your story is extremely moving. It is. I appreciate 
that so much. I would love to give you guys both a hug because you guys are really awesome. Great. Yeah, you guys. Thank you. It's very empowering to talk with you guys. As we conclude, is there anything uh, that you two fellows would like to say to the audience or some last words that you'd like to give? One thing I just wanted to say is that um, what we've done with our ritual is is something that anyone can really do. You don't need like a, a clinical setting or a, a psychiatrist or something. You can find two people that you're close with or maybe just one person, like-minded people, and you can try and get vulnerable with them. You know, you can try and get in touch with your feelings and express them with someone. And it, I think it will be really valuable. You yeah, know? We, we all have the power to, to do or to do what, what, just to get better and do what, you know, we're doing in this, this group ritual. It's like a lot of people like to look up to a certain, you know, people, but it's like, we have it all within ourselves. And that's um, just something that I'm starting to realize more and more. Also, yeah, trust yourself. Uh, I don't know if you want to, if we were allowed to shout out, we do have a website that we would like, if you, if anyone is interested in. Sure. Absolutely. Give it to us. All right. It's uh, cultivating connections, vt.com. And the VT, it's just, you know, we live in Vermont and also our last name is Van Tynan. So it kind of, <laughs> kind of worked. We couldn't, we couldn't make com. So but yeah, if you guys, if anyone wants to connect with us, you can find our, our emails there. Yeah. Guys, it was great to talk to you. We appreciate it. Uh, you're on the road. You're on the correct path. The demons will start to melt away. And uh, just realize that you are two valuable human beings who uh, want to help others. And I think that's very, very important. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank, Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, Ian and Corey. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'd love to touch base with you guys, you know, a few months down the road and see how it's coming along. Yeah, we'd love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, keep in touch with us. Okay. All right, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'd like to thank our listeners for supporting us and sharing our podcast with others who would benefit from hearing these testimonials about the healing power of cannabis, which you just heard from Rory and Ryan. Now, if you'd like to support us, there's a few ways you can do that. You can become a monthly member for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page, and you can also make a one-time donation through our website, Cannabis Health Radio. And the other way you can help us is to keep spreading the word about our show. Write a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and share the podcasts on social media. You just might save a life. Now, we encourage listeners to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel and share that with others you think may be interested. And we'd like to thank Mark in Belgium, who posts our podcast, and a great big thank you to Ron, who donates his studio time and edits the podcast for us, and we'd like to thank you both very, very much. We are very grateful for your support, dear listeners, and thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. 
You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.